Sports listeners, I'm your host, Erica Salda, the queen of team. Please tune in every single Tuesday. This whole hour of Santa Barbara Teen Athletes. Woo! And we're talking all athletes. Good morning, listeners. This is Erica Salda, the queen of teen. Thank you so much for stopping by this morning. In the house, we have a huge show today. We've got Dr. Amy Salzman. We've got two reps from the Santa Barbara Braille Institute. That's Angela Miller-Bevin and... Brianna Pettit. Uh, we also have in the house Dominique Hackett, of course, Richard Dugan, our producer, Christine Marie, and Ed the Legend Langlo is with us today. I like that. That's He's back. Nice. He's got a great section yeah. I'm looking forward to. We're going to have a little legendary history from Bishop Diego High School. That's going to be a little bit later on in the show. Um, like what? Anytime we have somebody new, and I like to invite them into our, our family, Brianna, I would like you to get connected with Christine Marie. Okay, and I'd like ha- have her pull a card for you today. We're going to start off the show with a little magic. All right. So she's shuffling the deck, and then you can tell her what you you instructed, Christine. This is tell me when. Goes. Tell me when to stop, Brianna. When to stop shuffling. <laughs> keep going, keep going, and stop. Okay, do you want me to pick from the top, the bottom, or the middle? Middle. Okay. That's, middle the, That's the one right there. Okay, here it is. Oh, my goodness. This is the eight, the eight of cups. And it so basically says when you walk away from what no longer serves you, you are walking directly towards what does. Um, it's also wow. Wow. Yeah. that fits for a mobility specialist. <laughs> <laughs> walk awesome. away. <laughs> That's awesome. So whatever choice you just made or you are making to leave something wherever you're going is better for you. That's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. You can share that with your students, Brianna. Thank you. Hold of you if anybody wants to get a little bit more, a deeper view. You can a deeper view. You can find me at paradisefound.com. I'm a reader there. You can also call me 805-350-2705. Or you can look at me on, or find me on Facebook at A View From The Deck. Nice. Beautiful. Excellent. That's super, super exciting. Listen, we're going to make a short introduction because we have a powerhouse show today. Everyone is going to be talking about what their area of expertise is in, but I wanted to have Dr. D uh, lay out where you can also find us globally. Replays. Replays. We're all over the internet now. It's we take, we've had a huge spike in viewers and listeners and likes, and I really appreciate it. If you haven't done so, please uh, smack that like button on any of our um, social media platforms. Dr. D, where else can you find us? You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeart Radio, Amazon Music, and a whole lot of other places where folks are actually reposting these interviews. They can do that when they listen to it. If they want to repost it somewhere, they take the link and off they go. So uh, it's not uh, exclusive to what I've just mentioned, but it is certainly that's the uh, minimum of the locations. Or you can also go and I should say and or you can also go to teensportsradio.com. Yeah. So I can tell you just on the SoundCloud, because that's the platform that I use outside of Facebook. Uh, and occasionally I'll post something on YouTube, but just on SoundCloud, we're up over a thousand percent just this last week. So something magical is taking place. And I really Thank you to our co-hosts. Yeah, thank you to the co-hosts. It really is all about 
uh, the people that have made this show as great as it is for the last 12 years. And I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, partnering that we've done with the businesses and the nonprofits, nonprofits um, donating over 23,000 minutes over the last 12 years. So anyway, again, we thank all of you here today. We've got a huge, huge show. We're going to start right at uh, Dr. Amy Salzman. We're going to do that right after these messages. And this is Santa Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salt of the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Hello, my name is Dr. Amy Saltzman, and I am a holistic physician, a mindfulness coach, and in this context, a former Stanford gymnast. And my life's purpose is preventing and relieving suffering and supporting people, particularly athletes, in enhancing their health and well-being and finding flow. And you can find me at stillquietplace.com. And today, because it's been unfortunately in the news a lot, I wanted to talk about ending cycles of abuse in sports and society. And my feeling is that we need to move way, way upstream from where we are now. So dealing with egregious sexual, physical, emotional abuse and flagrant failures by the NWSL or USA Gymnastics or the U.S. Olympic Committee or the FBI is way too little and way too late. So I want to help people recognize um, the covert emotional abuse that often precedes and portends physical and sexual abuse. And this Covert means subtle or almost invisible abuse. It's not yelling. It's not throwing chairs. It's not stepping on athletes' feet. It's this little system of, it's almost like an invisible spider web of um, entangling the athlete or the musician or the employee um, by both praising them and it's called love bombing, really giving them praise and making them crave that praise. And then also inducing fear so that the athlete fears that if they leave the coach or tell what the coach is doing, um, their career will be over. And so for me, the way that we heal the cycles of abuse is by um, making sure that we actually screen coaches before they start coaching. And if coaches have a history of trauma, they're more likely to traumatize their athletes. So helping the coaches heal before they traumatize their athletes, helping athletes recognize the very subtle beginnings of abuse, the grooming and then having systems of 
anonymous reporting, responsible, responsive um, authorities to enact laws and policies and really ensuring that these systems are fully funded and supported. So um, when someone reports, the system actually works. And perhaps the most important thing of everything is believing someone when they report. It's very, reporting, the trauma is bad enough. Reporting is re-traumatizing. And so if someone has the courage to report an abuse, uh, it's important that we believe them. That's what I have to say. That is so beautiful, Dr. Amy. I, my uh, quick question to you is, I remember when I was a, a young kid and getting into sports and so forth, and I would get bullied and teased, and my uh, grandparent would say to me, because uh, that's how he grew up, he said, oh, you know, it's just toughening you up. Get, get over it. Can you speak to whether the bullying and the teasing and the hazing is that really a necessary part of growing up or is that really participating in traumatizing us as human beings? Um, so I want to, I want to make a connection here. Often if a coach is being abusive, then the athletes are trying to prove themselves to the coach. And so they often, in addition to the coach abuse, end up, abusing athletes kind of lower on the totem pole of the team and none of it is necessary. And actually the data would show that when we implement holistic, positive athlete centered coaching and we cultivate teamwork so that the team's working together rather than competing against each other, um, that those experiences are more likely per, to promote growth than the kind of you have to toughen up. And the toughen up thing comes right. Your grandfather probably heard that from his father and his grandfather. And this is what I mean about needing to go way upstream is we need to help coaches, teachers, music teachers, bosses priests, whoever, look at the harmful narratives they were told um, so that they don't perpetuate them on this current generation. I think that is so true. And as a mom uh, raising children that have been athletes, one of the things that we've learned, because both my husband and I were athletes, is that communication is key. And we have had to pull our son from a team because he communicated to us that there were things that were making him uncomfortable. And I think that the athletes of today need to be, they need to know that there is, there are people out there that they can communicate to and, and tell if something is not right for them. Or, you know, we're very fortunate the coaches he has now, they're just amazing. But we do have to teach our coaches and and open that well up. and we need to teach the parents and the kids to a honor what's uncomfortable 
and B, to recognize some things that they might not realize are uncomfortable, harmful, inappropriate, so that they know to let their parent or the assistant coach or the club director know like, hey, not this is not okay. Here's why it's not okay. Here's what it suggests. And for people who are interested, I have a recently published article on psychology today called Ending Cycles of Abuse in Sports and Psychology. And for people who are really interested, you can go to my website where I have an even longer, more detailed article. So there you go. That's so beautiful because part of the, the breaking the cycle that you're addressing is it's not only the person who's getting abused, but there's shame involved with the person who's doing the abuse. And it's a vicious cycle that happens. And um, recognizing it's the it's the unspoken shame that binds us all. And so being able to talk about it and express it and say, hey, this is not making me a stronger person. You teasing me. What makes me a stronger person is us celebrating our strengths and honoring our weaknesses are our, our things that we all share. Nice. Right. And the other thing is. There's this balance of having compassion, actually, for the abuser because they are just passing down what they learned and simultaneously holding them accountable and seeking justice. And they have to be intertwined and done together. Compassion on its own isn't enough. And um, accountability on its own isn't enough. We need both. Erica, you had an excellent post, I think it was on your Facebook page, that said, be careful what you allow people to do because you're teaching them how to treat you. And that really hit home with me. Pardon? I'm glad I posted something that moved you. I tried to do that. That, That's so true. It did. It really hit home with me because I That just made uh, Erica's day. Uh, (laughs) Someone is following me. Well, now I will follow you. I'm doing it right this minute. Yeah, thank you. I just want to out there. Please follow Erica on social media. I, I, I like but you. Brianna has a question for you. Look how nice she is. I've trained my people well. Look oh, at them. They raise their hand. My top left. I don't know. This is my first time. I don't want to step over anyone. But um, I had a, I, I have a personal experience I wanted to share on this topic because for me, um, as a young woman growing up, I really didn't have this awareness and uh, boundaries and really an understanding of, um, what was appropriate and what wasn't. And so I wanted to just highlight that the covert ways that this can show up, um, for me was definitely the case. And there was a lot of inappropriate behavior coming from my coach in high school. And I didn't recognize it until far beyond when I was in college and it was still continuing. Um, and my parents, even started to recognize it, but didn't have a conversation with me until years later. So um, it's tricky. Well, and one of the things I do in the articles is really try to make the threads and the pattern and the whole web that can be invisible, visible, um, because I had a similar experience and I also didn't, I didn't see the web for a really, really long time. And 
once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's super clear, but people don't know what they're looking for. From taking it from the, the flip side of it, uh, as a as a single mom who's coached in this town for twenty eight years, blessed to have a lot. Of, now we're going. We're reaping the benefits of going to all the weddings now, which is nice. When a coach gets to go to a wedding, you knew I did okay. Um, <laughs> But I did the at-risk kids and private school kids, and six, seven years before I had kids, and then I, I was my kids' as coaches all through from kinder class to eighth grade. And my sons. Yeah, I started the first kinder class team. But it, what was it? Really, was after school care, and it was great because I wasn't a paid. It was totally a volunteer kind of thing. And I felt that I what am who I am as an at-risk kid growing up because of the great. I just was so blessed with the greatest coaches on the planet. And I took a little bit from all of them to be the coach that I turned out to be. But I will say like, when I had a group, I always had, I put all the emphasis on my team mom. I need somebody to be in the, in the trenches with me. So the team mom, I always had a great team mom, um, Sharon Terry, shout out to Sharon Terry. She was my team mom pretty much my whole, my whole uh, tenure. But when I, when I had my kids, you know, you have the great kids and have the kids who never played. So my job was really get those kids that really never played. I needed them to get up to like a B, C plus B. So when I, when I found that magic formula of, you know, in, empowering those kids to be like the big brother that were amazing athletes. So not to, not to make the game about themselves and to teach them how to share and give them, you know, just so they didn't have to hold the whole uh, – the whole game and everything on their shoulders just to trust. And then I was going to work with the kids less. That just, and, and I don't even want to say talent because they just didn't bounce the ball as many times. It's 10,000 hours. Okay. You didn't bounce the ball as many times as that kid. So during lunch practice, get here a little early. I gave can't tell you how many basketballs I bought in my whole life. And that magic just created just really dynasties. And I got to say, and I was really blessed to have people like in the, Miller Bevan as a mom on the team. And I, um, one of my magic moments was at St. Rayfield's. We were up about 12 points. And I just said in the fourth quarter, because I wanted Austin to get a basket. And he was um, not an athlete. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't about, but I said, hey, it's not about the win. It's about uh, Austin getting a basket. He had yet not gotten a basket. And I remember his first basket because I said, if Austin gets a basket, it's blenders for the team. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you. And I remember Jack Gregson going up, getting the rebound and throwing it to Austin. He didn't hit it. Then John John gets the basket and throwing it to, to him. And I think it was Johnny Bronsema who bounced the ball to Austin. He threw it, went up, boink, 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 and went in. The screams. Let me tell you. It was like we won the championship. And it and, stuck with him forever. Right. And he really was very, he was, my Austin is my best friend in the world. He very into theater and music and just, but, you know, as, as parents, athlete, athletic parents, we really wanted him to be an athlete. And he, bless his heart, he tried. He wanted to get out there. But he was about to give up on it, and he was coached by Erica. And it changed sports for him. He was just like a – it was different, and it bonded these kids together, and they went on to go to high school, and um, and that was a memory that he carried for the rest of his life. And. Yeah. He, I will say great that there's only one man on this planet stripping with soaking wet sweat that I will hug, and that is Oscar, <laughs> because he does not have a bad smell in his body. Okay? This kid, I will. So lovely. <laughs> so smells so good. And so my kid's like, like a newborn. I love that kid. And he knows I love him. 
I don't, I, I'm so glad that, that that is, I've made good smelling children. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back from the break, Dr. Amy, if you can tell uh, parents who've noticed something or kids who have something that they haven't said, if you can help coaches how to break through and, and, and get out, move out away from secrecy, that would be absolutely fantastic. Right after the break. We are back, and this is Santa Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. So this is Dr. Amy responding to Dominique's question about that moment or moments where you start to sense, wow, this, this isn't right. It doesn't feel good. I feel super uncomfortable. And you can't quite put your finger on it. First of all, I hope my articles will help people put their fingers on it. But trust, the first thing is in these relationships of abuse, the coach, and I'm using coach, but it could be anyone, coach, parent, teacher, whatever. Um, one of their primary things is they erode your trust in yourself. They'll say things like, that's not what I said, or you're not remembering it correctly, or no one else has a problem with my coaching, or you don't want it bad enough. Or, and so you start to doubt yourself. So the first thing is when you get that whisper in your being that something's off, you trust it and you say, to someone that you trust that you feel is safe. I don't know exactly. I'm a little confused. And I just want to say this doesn't feel right. And just describe how you're feeling. Describe the actions. If you want, you can keep a note in your phone or in your journal of the coach said this to me on this date, or the coach said this to my teammate on this date. And I spoke to the assistant coach on this date. I let the club director know on this date. I let my mom know on this date, but that feeling of something's off, that's your truth. And that's, just honoring that is you starting to reclaim your power. It's true. And, and so that's crucial. And just know that the more you reclaim your power, the more the abuser, I mean, you can think about domestic violence, right? The more you reclaim your power, the more the, the abuser is going to try to confuse you or gaslight you or make you doubt yourself. And so you need to trust yourself and um, believe in yourself, even knowing that that self, the, the abuser has intentionally eroded your self-trust. Well said. Thank you so much. Dr. Amy, again, one more time. How do we get a hold of you? So I'm at stillquietplace.com. I'm now officially in a blogger on psychology today. And the, the thing is called find your true flow. And the one article that's up is the one we're talking about. And my phone number is 650-575-5780. I'd love to help anybody with this. 
I also love to help people in any domain of life find well-being, joy, and flow. Nice. Thank Yay. you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So thank much. you. All right, let's take a short little break because we've got a lot more after these messages. Well, now together we will stand every boy, girl, woman, and a man. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Welcome back. This is Angela Miller-Bevan, and I am the Regional Manager for the Braille Institute in Santa Barbara. And I am so excited today to have Brianna Pettit joining us. Um, she is our O&M instructor at the Braille Institute, and she just is amazing. She has so many things that she teaches people, and she is going to share a little bit of that with us. Welcome, Brianna. Thanks, Angela. It's great to be here. This is one of my favorite things is to talk about my work. I absolutely love it. And so I usually need to start out with what is O&M? What does that even stand for? So O for orientation. M for mobility, orientation and mobility specialist. And that is actually a master's degree in special education. So many people don't know about this field. I teach people with vision loss how to navigate and get around independently and safely and efficiently as possible. So um, my journey started back, I guess I'm going to go way back when, when I grew up in Santa Barbara, um, right down the street from the Braille Institute. And um, I, over time, kind of learned a little more about what they did there. And I um, went on to study psychology at at UC Berkeley and then wanted to get a a teaching degree, but I didn't quite want to teach in a classroom. Um, Later, I learned about this unique field of orientation mobility and um, started to shadow and and volunteer at the local Braille Institute. and. decided I wanted to go on and get my degree. So I went to Cal State LA and got my master's degree there, went on to work at the Earl Baum Center for the Blind in the Santa Rosa area, and then moved back to my hometown in Santa Barbara. And eventually after start, uh, running my parents' small business, I um, went on to the Braille Institute and I've been there since 2018. And this month is a very exciting month for Braille in the, in the world of O&M because we recognize the White Cane Awareness Day, which is a national day on October 15th, which highlights the importance of the white cane, which is a tool of independence for many people with vision loss. Um, so it's a time to kind of spread awareness around what the white cane is. And um, we at Braille have tons of workshops and classes to highlight orientation and mobility. Um, 
we are going to be putting on, uh, well, this whole month, we have the Move-A-Thon, which was my brainchild last year when all of us were sitting on a couch, couch staring at a screen thinking, I need to move. Well, I thought, well, why don't we do this virtual Move-A-Thon and motivate people to get out and do whatever they want doesn't matter. Just get off the couch. So we'll count anything, whether you're dancing in your living room, taking a walk around the block, riding a bike, walking. We've got people that skateboard. And so it's open to all of our students, staff, family members, community. You all who are listening can join. And log we doc- on and, and get in because it's a, <laughs> yes. it'll be fun. You can go to our website and just and sign up. Exactly. You can. And you document your minutes. So every day, Hopefully, you get out and you move, you log your minutes, and then in the whole month of October, we'll be able to see how many minutes we've logged, and there's prizes, and it's really fun, and um, it's, it's totally my passion, so I'm very excited about it, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy had, to answer you questions. Had, you had Dominique at the prizes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> You might win a white cane, Dominique. (laughs) I was wondering what we needed to kickstart her moving. (laughs) Yes. My uh, my kids and I share a Telegram chat room and frequently post how many steps we've walked in a day. And my son, Vijay, usually beats us all because he currently is not driving. So he is walking everywhere. So, see, Dominique, you can sign up for the Move-A-Thon and get all your family members and you can have a competition. Yay! Who gets the most and then you can win a prize. What's your website again, Brianna? The website is is on Braille. uh, Yeah, on Braille. The website address? Braille-institute.org. We do have um, under the adult programs and orientation mobility page, which highlights the Move-A-Thon and all of our October awareness orientation mobility workshops. And I also just wanted to mention that orientation mobility is such a crucial um, service. And you can imagine if you lose your vision and then you're expected to get around, whether it's just simply to get to your mailbox and back or get from your house to a friend's or to your local grocery store, there is a lot involved. And so For me, during the pandemic, and I couldn't see my students, no one was going out for a very long time. Um, It was really, for me, it forced me to get creative and think, how can I still teach people skills in their house, whether it was safe, um, safe, protective techniques, learning how to use a cane for the first time, um, learning how to plan routes using GPS, Um, However, we were pretty restricted and it was a very challenging time for our field of O&M, which is very hands-on, out and about, Mm one-on-one. So we just started back doing that um, a few months back and it's been great. And there's a a big influx of people now coming to us because they might have realized while they were kind of forced to take these things on on their own that you really do need assistance. So. Um, I've heard whispers that uh, you even help visually impaired people surf. Is that true? Well, that takes me to my next thing. So while I was kind of frustrated with everything going on in the world, I took it upon myself to create my own nonprofit and it's called Blind Fitness. 
so that I can offer sports and recreational opportunities to people with vision loss. And Santa Barbara is the home base because we are such an amazing place. Bring people here from anywhere to surf. I've done running lessons, surfing, hiking. I want to start some stand-up paddling, outrigger canoeing. I've gone roller skating. Um, I... I'm very excited about this and it's brand new. It's just, it just gave birth and it's just starting out now, but you can find blindfitness.org. Dr. And- Amy wants to ask you a question, but you need to come back when we have Sierra Boatwright because that would be a good match for yeah, her. Yeah, she does uh, echo. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Amy. You're muted. You're oh, muted, I, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I just wanted to say that the next time my mom visits, I want her to schedule an appointment with you because she has macular degeneration and she just crossed the threshold for being declared legally blind. And um, maybe we can do some mindfulness for your um fitness folks. I love that. And that reminds me, um, I do, I'm a certified yoga instructor. And when I started my work at Braille, I, I made sure that that was something I could offer to my students. So I teach a weekly, they call it balance and mobility. So it's a yoga class for people with vision loss. And how do I do that on Zoom, which and is it's actually amazing. It's the best class because I sit in on it and to see the range of of ages that she has in that class. But I did want, before we run out of time, Brianna, I did want to share with everyone. One of the things that Brianna does is she also works with uh, the guide dog, getting people guide dogs, helping them. And this is a great thing that she's done. She's helped one of our own, Sherry, who has been on this show and I think is a co-host. Sherry, and she has helped share, I mean, not Sherry, sorry, Joy. Sherry has a dog, Joy. Um, to help Joy get a dog. And yes, so Joy is getting her guide dog today. Yep, today's the day. She's well, worked so hard, and people don't realize the training involved in getting a guide dog. It's a couple years, if not longer, of training and waiting and waiting. Joy will say, "Waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting for this day." Um, yeah, it's very exciting. Thank and you. Sorry so to Sherry, because Sherry, I know you have Martinez. It's an I. I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> <laughs> I think Sherry will be on next week because uh, she was given a really special award. So we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. But yeah, guide dogs. Oh my gosh, a a, a, a uh, loving support to the public. The guide dogs are on duty. They have a job. And so we are not allowed to address a guide dog unless the visually impaired person tells you that it is the appropriate time because our guide dogs are working. They're on the job. Definitely. So we'll definitely, uh, Rihanna, get you. I want to get her um, linked with Heather Bond. She does a lot of hiking and trails and all that for people. I think that would be a good fit. Nice. And then also uh, Sierra Boatwright. That would be another person that does a whole eco-friendly. I think it's just, it's brilliant. I mean, I'm so excited. That's the one thing about this show that I got to say. It's just a whole. Bring everybody together. Yeah, it just, you don't have to do anything. You just all show up and it just grows organically. We've done this for over a decade now. You're welcome back anytime. We also 
Uh, Angela Miller-Bevin gets one commercial as a co-host, and I think she's going to give it to you for your nonprofit. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll give you a, a nonprofit commercial when you're ready. You just got to get a hold of Dr. Uh, Dugan here, Richard Dugan. And, you know, I think the price is a T-shirt. You know, give him a Braille T-shirt, size <laughs> large, okay? And then we'll hard coach you in four times a week. Uh, we want to get your services out there to the public because you, it's, it's a beautiful thing what you're offering the community. Um, I have had only one friend that had a visually impaired daughter. She ended up, um, was on the um, Santa Barbara High soccer, pardon me, track team. Um, and she, and being visually impaired, you know, as she got older through the high school experience, her her vision got worse and worse and worse. So yeah, I, I've experienced something like that with somebody, and I hats off to your service and thank you so much. We really appreciate. Thank it. you, Brianna, and also just to throw a shout out, we also have Skyler, who is one of our instructors, and he is blind since birth, and he was on the downhill skiing team when he Woo-hoo! was in high school. So it is possible, all of this. Things happen. Okay, so we've got two, uh, we've got Don Sanders in the house and Richard Wellsuth in the house. And, but right, they just popped in, but right after these messages, we've got Ed Langlow after these messages. Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salt of the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. We're back. I'm Ed Langlow with If Only I'd Known. If Only I'd Known is a mentor's moment with the teens that are listening into the show. Uh, this will be a history lesson about perseverance for our teens. To quote Lee Eisenberg, to ignore lessons of the ignominious mistakes in our history is to be doomed to repeat them. Today's segment is a story of how Bishop High, like the Phoenix, rose from the ashes of defeat. In the past, when I've done segments on the other schools, I went to the athletic directors. When I wrote the segment for San Marcos, I went to Abe Jodemy, their athletic director. And Abe was great. He gave me newspaper articles and access to everything I needed to do that story. So, when I wanted to do a segment on Bishop, I went to the former athletic director from Santa Barbara High and someone who had also been involved with Bishop, Diego, Joe Chenoweth. And uh, Joe said, you don't want to talk to me. You need to talk to Tim Tremblay. And when I met Tim, I knew I'd come to the right place. The office at Tremblay Financial looks like an all-sports hall of fame. Tremblay was an all-CIF tackle during his high school days at Bishop. He returned in 1990 for a 10-year stint coaching both the JV and varsity football squads. 
Bishop has roots dating back to 1914 with Dolores, an all-girls Catholic school, with the name changed to Notre Dame in the 20s. In 1940, the school became co-ed as Santa Barbara Catholic High School. In 1959, the campus was relocated to 4000 La Colina Road and renamed after Bishop Francisco Garcia Diego, the first bishop of the Catholic Diocese in California. So here's what I learned from Tim Tremblay about Bishop Garcia Diego football. The late 1980s were not kind to the Bishop squad. They actually went 30 consecutive games, three football seasons without a single win. There's a classic saying made famous by John F. Kennedy. Victory has a thousand fathers, but defeat, defeat is an orphan. That saying was personified by some of the Bishop student body during those times. Nobody wanted to come out for a losing football team. It was actually suggested in a news article that Bishop should step down to the eight-man football league. That story was taped to the wall in the weight room just to motivate the guys. According to Coach Chuck or Norris Fletcher, uh, it got so bad one day when only 11 Guys came out for spring training. He heard a horn honk, and when he looked, some of the kids were pointing and laughing at their own football team. But that was all about to change. In 1989, Fletcher, an experienced coach, had been in Santa Barbara only because his wife was having a medical procedure at Sansom Clinic. Bishop High was running an ad in the paper for a new head football coach. After looking into it, Norris decided to accept the challenge, stay in Santa Barbara, and became head coach for the Bishop Cardinals. Norris immediately began recruiting football players. He went to the pitcher of the baseball team and assured him if he had a good arm, he could pitch a football just as well, and the Cardinals had a new quarterback. Slowly but surely, Bishop football team staged a comeback. In 1989, they posted a mildly improved 3-7 and seven record for the season. By 93, the Cardinals were ranked number one in CIF Division 9. And in 97, went 9-2-1, disappointingly losing the CIF final game against powerful Montclair Prep. On May 15, 2000, Norris Fletcher was inducted into the Santa Barbara Athletic Roundtable Hall of Fame. In 2017, Bishop rallied again and took the CIF championship. Today, Bishop Diego is competing against larger schools as the smallest campus in the state playing 11-man football. And they're now the only team in the history of Santa Barbara County to win a California state title. That's right. I'm Ed Lang. <laughs> I'll see you next time on If Only I'd Known. Nice. <laughs> That is so fun. My two boys boys went to Bishop, I got to say. Joe, they had different experiences. My oldest one, I think they had more cheerleaders than they had football players. Don's team rose rose up, and three years after, four years after he graduated, they won the state championship. So they had those elementary school kids that always were encouraged to go to Bishop games. They don't have to pay. It's free, you know, to keep that legacy alive. So we had Don Sanders in the house. You played a little football. Yes, I did. And 
what uh, Dr. Salzman was talking about this morning really hit home. Anyway, this is Don Sanders, Don's Massage in Ojai. And, uh, and uh, yes, that is a very difficult situation where uh, the person who recruited you to come play sports, if you get into the higher levels, becomes sort of like a substitute parent. And if uh, the kind of relationship that she mentioned gets going where something doesn't feel right and you don't know what, ha- what uh, to do about it, uh, everything gets to be much, much more multiplied when you go from the more casual level of high school. Of course, people want to win when they compete in high school. But when you get up to the higher levels, then there's quite a bit higher stakes. So it gets to be even more of a pressure situation to be able to uh, resolve what's going on with you in your personal life and still meet the demands of this thing that you signed on to. Well said. We have Richard Ellsworth to close out the show. He's going to have some mindful tips, I know. Perseverance. Oh, unmute, Richard. Well, every, sorry. Every single day with, with all of our students here at the Braille Institute and with my own students that I teach fiddle to, I just see people persevering in ways that I never even imagined possible. And it is really amazing when we set our mind not on a goal, but past the point where we already have a goal, where life takes us. Nice. So beautiful. Well said. (laughs) Well, I always like to close the show with a lot of thankfulness and, and with gratitude. And let's spend this week going out and thanking others and embracing others. I think it's okay to hug now. So maybe hugging others. All right. That's it. Big hugs. Hug yourselves. So this is Eric Asalda. Thank you so much. Smack like on those social media platforms if you haven't had a chance. God bless you all. See you next week. You're the best. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow.